When I think this, this series that we're starting is called Sweet Relationships, okay? And when I think about um, sweet relationships, one of the terms that comes to mind is soulmates. Have you guys heard this term, of course, somewhere in a romantic comedy, I'm sure? It's like, you know, where people are very optimistic in nature and they, and they believe these sorts of things. Um, well, this series, the subtitle for tonight is called Finding Your Soulmate. And so uh, I just wanted to start with, with my reaction to that word. When I think of the word soulmate, I say immediately a flag goes up my head, a red flag, and it says, wait a second, what about all those people who never get married? Do any of you guys have this reaction? What about all those people who never get married? What about all those people who never find their soulmate? I have this I have this this question in my mind all the time when, when someone mentions the, the name or the term soulmate. And because I, I know people like this, I know people in their 30s that are, uh, they want, they're on like eHarmony and every site you can be on. I actually know someone who was married because they went on eHarmony. They're actually on one of the commercials. It's kind of funny. Um, and actually, I didn't know this, but when I saw the commercial, the guy she married had a lisp, and I didn't realize that. It was pretty shocking when I, because it was like, oh, he's like a doctor, and he's prominent, and he's, he's a cool guy, but then he had a lisp. It was just kind of shocking when I saw it. it. was funny. But there's people all over the place on these sites, all over the internet, right? And they're, they're trying to find their soulmate. They're trying to find that one person that fits perfectly with them, that they can have a relationship with, that uh, everything, all their interests, you know, match up, everything is um, right with their belief systems match up, um, their family histories might match up a little bit so that they can have a better chance of making it out in this crazy world, right? People are looking at these things. Um, I believe that there are a few, a, like, a, like a handful of people, just a handful of people in this world that are called not to be married, before we get into this relationship series, I just want to mention that at the front side, that this may not apply to every single person, that maybe there are a few people that are called not to be married. And this is why I think that right here. In 1 Corinthians 7, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, which is a church that he planted in a city. That city was uh, filled with sexual revolution. Okay, These people just did whatever they want, whenever they wanted to do it you know, whatever they wanted to do. Um, and so he's responding to this church is, has wrote, written him a letter, and he's responding to some of their things that they wrote him about. So he says, now for the matters you wrote about. This is in verse 1 and 2 in chapter 7 of 1 Corinthians. It is good for a man not to marry. But since there is such immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. Okay, so clearly Paul's, Paul says it's good. If, if you're not going to get married, that's cool. That's cool. But for those you are, that are going to get married, each of you should have one, one wife or one husband. He keeps going. Let's, let's skip down in verse 8 and 9. This is out of the message. I do, though, tell the unmarried and widows that singleness might be the best thing for them, as it has been for me. So immediately I'm thinking, because uh, I, I wonder if you're thinking this, but I'm thinking this. Why would Paul say that singleness might be the best thing for them? Why, why? Why would he say that? Because we know, 
And we'll get to this later, but we know that man and woman were created for each other, uh, you know, to help each other out and be partners. Why would he say this one thing? Here's why Paul says this. Because if you notice at the end of that, he says, as it has been for me. Paul's single. Paul does not have a wife. He remains single so that he can be free to roam around. He has no ties, no, um, you know, he has no restrictions on where he can live, when he can live. Uh, he is free to roam around and plant churches and work with churches. And that's kind of his mission, his calling in life. So that's why I think there's a few people who are called not to be married it's because God may want to use them in that special particular way to be free from having a family or things that they need to take care of. Now, I remember, uh, well, let me say this first. Paul is saying, listen up, don't worry about your spouse just yet because all you need to know is this. Your soulmate is Jesus Christ. So start there. Everything else will follow. Just start there. Your soulmate is Jesus Christ. When I went to college, I made a decision after about a semester at college that I wasn't going to date for a while. Okay, so there's, there's about a year that I didn't date anyone, which was really awesome for me because I had a terrible record of dating. I dated so much. It was ridiculous, and it was stupid of me to date so much. And I, I decided not to date for a while. And so when I did that, it freed me to discover who I was going to be without worrying about uh, another person that I was dating. And so I, I discovered who I was going to be in God. I was discovered how I was going to act. I discovered what things I was going to be involved in, all that kind of stuff. Staying single uh, for, for about a year was really great for me. Um, Paul, we're going to keep going. 1 Corinthians 7, 9. He keeps going. But if they can't manage their desires and emotions... They should by all means go ahead and get married. The difficulties of marriage are preferable by far to a sexually tortured life as a single. Okay, that's kind of a loaded statement. <laughs> Let me read that again. If, if people can't manage their desires and emotions, they should by all means go ahead and get married. The difficulties of marriage, he means like being tied down, not being able to move when you want to do go places that you have to consult with other people, right? That's what part of a marriage is, is a partnership. The difficulties of marriage are preferable by far to a sexually tortured life as a single. There's a lot of people, in fact, if you go to a, a you know, um, some churches, you'll find that the people, the priests or the preacher or the pastor or whoever uh, is not able to be married because for whatever reason, that particular denomination or that church or that belief says, uh, no, you're married to God and God alone, and so you have to abstain from being married. Paul would probably tell them they're not being very smart because that could be a sexually tortured lifestyle is what he's saying here. So for the rest of us who are normal, who are not called to some uh, lifestyle of singleness, where we roam and we're a missionary, uh, planting churches across the known world. For the rest of us that are normal, there's this whole relationship thing, okay? So there's this whole relationship thing. Marriage is a gift, a gift from God. Let's go back to where it all starts. Let's take a book and let's take a look back at the very beginning 
um, when God set this whole thing up. In Genesis 1, Genesis is like the first book of the Bible, means beginning. And in Genesis 1, this is going to be the New Living Translation, actually. Um, In verse 26 to 27, it says, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. So this is after God's created. Okay, he's he's created land, he's created animals, he's created all these cool things, stars, planets. We saw a video a couple weeks ago that showed uh, how awesome the universe is that we live in and how God created these massive objects out in space that are self-sufficient and burning. And, you know, it's crazy how awesome this universe is. After he's created all these things, he comes down to little earth and he says, I'm going to make human beings and I'm going to make them in our image, in the image of God. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So get this. God creates us, and he creates us male and female. Makes sense. Makes sense. Let's keep going. In verse, in uh, chapter 2, Genesis, verse 7, Then the Lord God formed the man. This is kind of going back. So so the first chapter kind of goes through, okay, he created all these things, created all these things. Second chapter, he goes back and he explains different pieces of that creation. So he's going back and he's explaining the human creation. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. So Adam, the first man, was made from dirt. Does that make sense to you guys? That guys, you understand guys a little bit better? They're made from dirt, okay? The first man was made from dirt. Let's keep going a little bit. In Genesis 2, verse 18, God said, It's not good for the man to be alone. I'll make him a helper, a companion. So in verse 22, he continues, God put the man into a deep sleep. As he slept, he removed one of his ribs and replaced it with flesh. God then used the rib that he had taken from the man to make woman and presented her to the man. So he takes this. This is kind of weird because it's almost like some weird human clone thing, like the first kind of project about this. So he takes the rib and he replaces the flesh. And then he takes that rib, he takes the cells, he takes all that stuff and he replicates them. And he creates a person out of this thing. And he creates a woman, the first woman ever The man said, finally, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, name her woman, for she was made from man. Therefore, a man leaves his father. Now, this is kind of a funny jump to me. It explains how he created man and woman. And then all of a sudden he says, therefore, a man leaves his father and mother and embraces his wife. They become one flesh. So it's pretty crazy because the first marriage happened from one person. God took some flesh and created another person, and they were united as one. They were a partnership in marriage. And then here, and then later in life, you know, anytime, like when Erica and I got married, it's called becoming one flesh. You become kind of one identity, one couple together, a partnership. And so, uh, and so we become one. As the first one was made from one, and then was one partnership, we become one. It's like the uniting back together of that whole experience. Therefore, a man leaves his father and mother and embraces his wife. They, became, they become one flesh. The two of them, the man and his wife, were naked, but they felt no shame. 
That's like the beginning of it all, okay? That's the beginning of relationships, beginning of marriage, beginning of the whole male-female drama of life, okay? It all happened right there. And then there's stuff that follows, you know, they blame each other for doing the wrong thing, and it's, it's messy and all that kind of stuff, just like normal relationships are. But it starts off like this. God makes the man, says, hey, uh, this, he, he names everything else good, but when he gets to the man, he creates him. He's like, this is not good because he does not have a helper. And he does not, yeah, it's kind of funny that first thing he says is not good as a man, but, but then he creates woman and everything's good again, right? Yeah, that's how it goes kind of. This is how Adam and Eve came to be married. They were, they were, she was taken out of him, formed, and then given to him. It was kind of the first arranged marriage, but it was cool because this arranged marriage was by like the awesome almighty God that knew everything, and he made her perfectly for him. He, he knew what was going to you know, um, be great for, for her and him, and he created those things in each other, and they, they were interested in each other. It had a natural spark, that sort of thing, what we're all uh, looking for. And so it was perfect. God made it. Now, don't miss that. Adam was completely alone except for his relationship with God. Okay? He had his relationship with God, but God said, I want to make this complete. This creation is not complete. And so he made this perfect someone for Adam to, to hang out with and to populate the earth with, which was one of God's motives for creating her. God provided for me just about exactly the same way he provided for Adam. Remember what I said about in college, I, I, I took like a year of not dating, and I finally I kind of started to realize who I was going to be in life, who, who I was in God. My relationship with God really grew a lot over that time. Um, but then, finally, a, a God-ordained time in my life came where Erica came to Pepperdine. She was at Fresno State for a semester, and I kept saying, you need to come to Pepperdine, you need to come to Pepperdine. And we hung out a few times, and uh, we were really great friends. We had a really close fr- friendship, relationship. And I, when I came into town, we'd go to movies and things like that, but, but we hadn't dated yet. And so when she came to Pepperdine, um, my roommate at the time actually said, it's going to be so awesome when Erica gets here, because he was from Fresno too. He was like, it's going to be so awesome when Erica gets here, because then we can hang out. He really liked her. That's why he said that. And so I was like, yeah, that's going to be cool. But I knew that deep down, at some time, we were going to start dating. I, knew, I just knew that. I was just, and I, actually, a part of me knew that if we dated, that would be the end of my dating. A part of me just knew that. And so she came to Pepperdine, and I held off for like, I, I was trying to hold off for like a semester, but I held off for almost a month. And, uh, and we started dating, you know, and uh, it was pretty much uh, from then on, it was just over, you know. It was like, all right, this is it. We're going to date. And we dated for quite a while. And then it came down to, um, and I know some, some of you might have heard this story, but God showed me that it was totally in his will that, that we would be married because I asked him. I said, I, I, it was one of my favorite places to pray. It was behind the chapel on campus, campuses in Malibu. It was Pepperdine University. I go behind the chapel, and I sit down, and I'm looking out on the ocean. Okay, it's like one of my favorite places on campus to pray because it had such beautiful scenery. Erica was in a final, and, um, and I was chilling, and I was praying to God. I was like, okay, God, what's the next step? I have no idea. I mean, 
I know, really, inside I know. But I'm asking God, I need confirmation because it's a scary thing for me to jump to that next step because I, you know, I've never known that next step of uh, proposing and that sort of thing. And so I was asking God, is this really what you want? You know, tell me, give me something clear that tells me that that's what you want or not. You know, I was, I was trying to get God's guidance and, and so I just prayed for a while and then I felt, you know, I felt like, okay, I'd got, gotten what I wanted to say off my chest. I had asked God for some guidance. Okay, so I guess now, okay, I told him. And so I started walking away and, and I was there for a while and uh, I started walking back towards the car and all of a sudden this gust of wind picks up and it just sweeps. I mean, there's, there's pretty good winds in Malibu because of the Santa Ana winds. They just rush right through. That's why the fires are always roaring through there. But there was no wind before this. Right then, wind picked up, and this big paper is probably from, like, the start of this carpet to, like, right here. And it was probably, you know, like, this deep. So it's that, that long and that deep. And, and it just said, congrats on the engagement. That's all it said, and it stopped right in front of me on the hillside, like two feet in front of me. There's a small hill, and it just said, congrats on the engagement, and the wind was still blowing, but it was staying there, and I was like, thank you. Okay, I guess I'm good. I'm All right, I know exactly what to do now. I know exactly it's in your will. I have no doubts on this. I know that we will have a successful and wonderful marriage together for the rest of our lives because you have shown me that this is in your will. Shane has a question for me. I wanted to. I wanted to, but I thought that if I rolled it up, I was driving Erica's car, and I was going to pick her up right after. I thought if I rolled it up and put it in her car, it would be kind of weird if she found it. So I didn't. So then, um, actually not long after that, like probably uh, a week and a half after that, we got engaged in Yosemite National Park during our Christmas vacation um, from college. We got engaged. Our, ha- our families were ecstatic. I think when I told my dad I was going to ask her, he started crying because he, he loves Erica. And so he thought she was an awesome you know, woman of character and, and a woman that loves God. And so he was very excited about that. And uh, it was a very exciting time, and I'm so glad that God gave me clear direction. Now, I, I probably would have went ahead with it, but I, had, I wouldn't have had that absolute clarity from God. Uh, I know I would have went ahead with it, but I really wanted God to tell me, plain as day, because I'm pretty dense, that this is in His will. This is exactly what He wants for me. And so I had no doubt, no doubt that that is exactly what He wanted. So how, I mean, my story is unique, you know. Um, That doesn't happen for everybody. That doesn't, God doesn't lay out a sign for everybody like that. Um, To give confirmation for what they want to happen. He doesn't do that for everybody. Um, So some of you you might be thinking, you know, well, okay, so what does this all mean for me? I mean, how do I find that person that person that um, God wants for me in my life? How do I find that person that's gonna, that God created that knows exactly how we fit together and be perfect together? How, how do I find that 
before you even think about that, remember what I said in the beginning. Jesus is your soulmate. If you start there, everything else will fall into place. If you remember, I took a year and I didn't date. And during that time, that allowed me to pursue my relationship with Jesus as a soulmate, as the person that I love first and foremost. And then everything else fell into place so easily after that. So I, want, I just want you to remember that, that Jesus is, is your soulmate. And you need to start there and everything else will fall into place after that. I also want you to remember when you're dating that um, purity paves the way to intimacy. When, when you have a pure relationship, something that's um, just, you know, pure and you guys aren't messing up or anything, uh, that will pave the way for future intimacy with your future husband or wife. Just remember that. That's huge. Once you understand these things, that Jesus is your soulmate and you need to start there, and you pursue God before, you know, a, before a wife or a husband. You know, you pursue God. God makes a way for you. He provides a path. He provides clear direction. And he will align the timing and the right person to fall into place at just the right moment so that everything works out for your best interest, for his or her best interest, and for God's best interest for your life. He'll reveal that at the time that, that you need that to be revealed. He'll reveal that when it's his time to reveal it. And so I just want you guys not to worry about that. Don't worry about that. That's going to come in its own time. But right now, worry. Don't worry. Actually pursue your relationship with God above all things. Pursue that, make that solid so that you have that foundation. You have that foundation with God before you get into a relationship. And hopefully that person will have that foundation as well. Next week, we're going to talk about, we're going to continue the series on sweet relationships. And we're going to take a look about the role of faith, the role of your faith in a relationship, how that fits together. What does God say about, you know, um, Christians and non-Christians dating or Christians and non-Christians um, marrying and that sort of thing. What does God say about that sort of cross-belief uh, system relationship? And we're going to take a look at that, and we're going to take a look at God's ideal for your life and what He really wants to happen. So let's, uh, let's pray, and then we're going to split up into prayer.